Welcome back to Tales from the Bargain Bin. Hello. Hello, with me, Claire. And me, Ryan. And uh, this week, we've got quite an interesting one for you. We we're, certainly do, yeah. Yeah, this, uh, this is a bit bit offshoot for us, but we're going to see how it goes, because this is quite an interesting film to talk about, I think. Yeah, yeah, we're, it's, it's off, the, off the beaten track. Yeah, we and we found that it does have a mockbuster associated with it, so yeah. we're going to be looking at, at those two. So, Ryan, do you want to take us through just quickly the the kind of rundown of of this film? So, we're talking today about the film, the heartbreaking story of a son who's pushed away by his father, who is overly obsessed with his business. And so the son ends up joining a gang of of ruffians um, and is groomed slowly but surely by their violent um, master and his charismatic leader, beaten, starved and turned into some kind of unfortunate living weapon so he can fight a creature that the masters had imprisoned without trial for 20 years Cruel and unusual punishment was definitely involved in this. He was caged, chained, mocked, starved, beaten by the guards Mm -hmm. until he obviously is mentally shattered completely Mm. and um, decides to come on and take his revenge against the master and those that imprisoned and betrayed him. And this culminates in, um, you know, quite an epic ending kind of scene at, at, at the climax of this film yeah um a, a huge epic battle between these two two characters and the uh you know the the fallout of what's been done to both of these people yeah the, the, yeah it's you know it's it's a meeting of these two people who've been equally wronged by yeah, this yeah. by this gang and the the kind of evil people that run it but the the two paths that these people have taken coming together clashing Mm, in this mm. in this quite dramatic climax. Yeah. We are of course talking about 2008's Kung Fu Panda. <laughs> yeah. With Jack, with Jack Black. <laughs> yeah. And uh, a, a swath of um other other quote unquote voice actors. Oh Jesus Christ, a massive swath of um of of at least famous people. Yeah. They it's are crazy. at least famous. Um m- most of them do a pretty good job in the voice acting in this film. Some yeah. of them not so much. Yeah. Um but yeah, we we are we are talking about Kung Fu Panda. It is a kids film and an our our first animated movie. Yeah. And um, we wanted to dip our toe into doing an animated film. Chose this one. Um obviously we we realized that this is a kids film. Yeah. It has appeal to adults. I like this film. I really like it. Mm-hmm. You not so much. No, not really. But we as adults are going to look at this from an adult point of view. Yeah, well, I mean, we'll try at least. So we are obviously going to be uh, watching 2008's Kung Fu Panda and we're going to be comparing it to um, a wonderful little knockoff, no doubt, 2011's Chop Kick Panda. <laughs> now, yeah. I mean, they're going to be so closely related, I imagine, and just on par with each other, mm. um, I, I really imagine. So I'm sure we can give a fair and equal trial to each one unlike Tai Lung ever got. Yeah, so <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Kung Fu Panda was a pretty successful film. It was massively successful. It grossed uh, huge amounts of money uh, worldwide. It was very successful amongst the younger viewers. 
yes. of um of the of the of the millennial age. It was it was very big when it came out. Yeah, and it and it, it did really well. It's a dream work. Yeah. And uh it was I think praised quite quite highly for its animation. Um the level of animation. For a Dreamworks film, I think it was it was kind of a step up for them. Yeah. And I actually I agree. I personally think the animation in this film is really lovely. They do a little segment very short at the beginning with this this really cool looking 2D animation where he's having like a fantasy about kung fu fighting and all this kind of stuff. Yes. Um and it looks really pretty. And then throughout, I think the animation in this film is really quite lovely. And that's helped by the setting. Yeah. You know, they've got this beautiful Chinese... It's rural China, isn't it? So yeah, it, just, with... it just can't help but look insanely stunning. Yeah, with the landscape and the temples and, and all this kind of stuff. It really does look very nice. And equally, I think the fight scenes, the, the, the actual battles, look really cool. I think they're choreographed really coolly and they're animated really well, particularly the bridge when the Furious Five go and confront Tai Lung um, and they have that fight on the rope bridge, I think it looks dope as shit. I think it looks really cool. The only thing I will say is the actual panda himself is the worst animated thing in the whole film. It's really boring. It's not done particularly interestingly. No. All the other characters look really cool. Tai Lung looks awesome. The tortoise, um, Ugwe, looks really cool. I think Tigress looks awesome. Pyo just looks... It's, it's like they didn't bother. Yeah, they they it's finished true. doing all the cool stuff and they just couldn't be bothered. Which is a very strange thing for them to not bother about, really, to be honest. Their main character, the guy that's on the front DVD cover doing that stupid, annoying DreamWorks face, which yeah. I hate so much, which he does constantly in this fucking film. Mm. He answers every question with this annoying, wry, half eye closed, I look like I'm having a stroke face. Cheeky chappy. And um, and it makes me tired. It makes me tired of DreamWorks films, this film. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will preface this, uh, this rant with admitting to myself that it is a child's film and it is not the film for me. I right. find children's films, specifically children's films, to be a tiresome watch a lot of the time and I can't help but be cynical about it. So even childhood films from my childhood I find very difficult to watch now, such as a la Flight of the Navigator, a la Short Circuit and Short Circuit 2, um, besides from being offensively racist. Um, they're just not very good films, well, films for me to watch. They're just such a simplistic plodding message to them. And this film has the mm-hmm. same message that every fucking DreamWorks film has, which is you can be anything if you put your mind to it, which yeah. is for me, just for me, because I'm not an eight-year-old child boring it's boring for me to watch now it's not as bad as i remember it being and i did find humor and entertainment in other elements of it i really like ian mcshane's voice in it because ian mcshane's got a great voice um i think jack black did a good job at what he was paid to do yes but there are so many issues i have with the story and that is literally because it's so typical it's so ploddingly typical it ends exactly how you thought it was going to end yeah nothing gets changed nothing gets pushed nothing gets challenged it's just the same fucking movie all the time so i read a quote from the directors this film is directed by two men uh mark osborne and john stevenson and i think it was john stevenson said 
I really wanted to make a homage to like kung fu movies and things like this and I just don't see that anywhere at all because basically what happened is they turned around and said well kids don't watch kung fu movies do they? Yeah that, that's the thing because I actually think visually it's it's really homage to to kung fu movies but not in any other way besides that. No. Not in its not at all. story or its characters or, or anything like that. And yeah, it, it was kind of weird because I, as an adult, really enjoyed that, the visuals of it. But I don't think kids would have seen a lot of Kung Fu movies. I no. don't know if that it's something that maybe would have been lost on them. Uh, I think he he quoted him, he was quoted saying that he was really influenced by Kung Fu Hustle. Now, if anybody has seen Kung Fu Hustle, They'll know, and Kung Fu Panda, they'll know that they are very different films. Mm. And Kung Fu Hustle, whilst I, I agree that it is a comedy with Kung Fu in it, the comparisons stop there. At mm-hmm. the end of the day, Kung Fu Hustle is whacked out and crazy. It's totally nuts. Mm. Even in animation, they don't dare go nuts at all. They, don't, they, they stick with easy jokes, easy characteristics easy everything everything is very simple for people to understand i'd say the closest they go to maybe pushing stuff is the fact that the tortoise decides to just go see you later i've caused <laughs> all these problems and now i'm gonna disappear <laughs> like, it's just, yeah um, but that's about as close as they get is like a character actually perishes and dies but i mean that is not uncommon in these kinds of kids films it normally happens early on it's normally an older character, one who's kind of set things in motion, and now it's time. <laughs> Their role in this story has done, yeah. so let's just stitching kind of everyone room. else up. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's you know it's it's the Ben Kenobi, yeah, character basically yeah. the worst Star Wars. But but uh, that is quite an interesting thing because I I thought that because the whole film kicks off because Ugwe says oh shit, I've had a dream yeah. that Tai Lung is going to break out of prison and come here and lay waste to the village and the temple in revenge. And he tells this to Shifu and... Voiced by Dustin Hoffman. Voiced, not my favourite voice acting in this film. <laughs> I, I don't dig on Dustin Hoffman as this character. But um, tells Shifu about it. Shifu's like, oh fuck, quick, send a message to the prison to double all the, the guards and the security and everything. So this little feathered fucker flies over there to this the prison. This guy's a helmet. And uh, gives this warning. And we, we see Tai Lung for the first time. And this messenger drops a quill by mistake. Uh-huh. Um, tai Lung uses that quill to pick the locks on his, on his shackles, escapes, and does what was in the dream, right? That, that Uguay had. Just this prison break, very quickly... Did you notice the similarities between this and Silence of the Lambs? Uh, <laughs> no, I didn't. But now that you've said it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. There, okay. was, there was a scene that they cut. Yep, definitely. There was a scene where he was wearing a rhino's face. Yeah, he absolutely <laughs> sure. disemboweled one of those fucking <laughs> <Yeah>. rhinos. <laughs> Innards everywhere. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And so the only reason... This happens. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yes. Because he has the dream and then he, because of that, he kicks into motion these events. Yes. Right? And then as soon as Shifu comes to him and is like, Ugwe, Tai Long has escaped from prison and is on his way. Yeah. Just like your dream said, Ugwe's like, oh shit, cheery. And he just kind of 
dissolves into cherry blossoms. Not my problem. Yeah, not my problem anymore. <laughs> Good luck, motherfucker. Yeah. I mean, the deadliest biter in the world that I've had imprisoned for 20 years in absolute isolation. I've paid guards to torture him and taunt him. And now he's coming. Oh, shit. I'm disappearing into stardust. Oh, it's shit, a- son. It's time for me to go. Yeah. My time has come to an end. It's a stitch up. It's a fucking Absolute stitch up. Absolute fucking stitch up. Good luck, you sons of bitches. <laughs> suckers. They're absolute suckers. And yeah, okay. Let's talk about this fucking prison, please. Yeah. This um, incredibly cruel and unreasonable panopticon that they've right. got him trapped in. It's basically Azkaban. Yeah. Built for one captive okay because there's not anyone else in this prison but they've got apparently they've got a thousand rhinos um looking after after this guy and his his the form of his captivity is very elaborate and very difficult to get out you can see why he couldn't get out of it until now yeah sure and it is mentioned that he's been there for 20 years they've actually got the sticks that are sticking out of him yeah they're on his chi mate yeah it's like uh pressing on his chi they look like acupuncture pins that yeah. are kind of locked in place to stop him from accessing his kung fu or mm. stopping his muscles from working or whatever the fuck motherfucker be good at kung fu oh he's very very good he's pretty fucking badass i really like this bad guy he's he kicks ass. i like his little purple trousers which all right i had a problem with this the whole 20 year thing right? yeah he's been locked down his hands are held down by gigantic boulders Okay, yeah. that hang off the edge of this platform That's that he's so on. brutal. Like, you'd be dislocating some... You'd be popping your shoulders out, right? Sure. And he's got to use all his strength to kind of not be kind of dismembered, right? <laughs> Jesus Christ. He's got all these pins in him. He cannot move. He's, like, restrained to the floor for 20 years. Right. And somehow he just hasn't atrophied into yeah, nothing. just wasted away. I mean, what, what are they feeding him? Are they feeding him, like, prime steak? Like, who knows? I mean, maybe they're just feeding him, like, bread and water. You, you don't know. None of this kind of prison scenario is really looked into. And I've, no. got, I've got real problems with this, with this cruel and unusual punishment. Yeah. And, like, he busts <laughs> out after 20 years of being held in place without movement, apparently. Uh, and then he's just, like, leaping tall buildings and... Kicking, kicking ass wherever he goes. And it so begins the uh, the ever-rolling extinction of Javan rhinoceroses. Yeah. I <laughs> like, mean, like, he just kills them all. Like, it is horrendous. I broke my collarbone last year, and my arm was in a sling, in place, without me moving it, right. for a, f- a few weeks. Yeah, it certainly was. And just those few weeks of not really using my arm, nearly a year later... It's still really weak. Yeah, it's still kind of atrophied, isn't it? If my arm had been strapped to my chest for 20 years, <laughs> <laughs> like, I wouldn't be able to kung fu people with it. should be it. like the guy in uh, in Seven. Did they come across the sloth oh, guy? Shit. Just be like, ah! That was Tai Lung all along. <laughs> Jesus Christ. They're like, his braid is jelly. <laughs> yeah, it is mush. It is mush. <laughs> but, you know, he deservedly goes on a rampage, in, in my opinion. Like, these bitches have it coming. The fucky five and their and their uh, their supermaster totally got it coming. It's ridiculous. Like he is mistreated in there. It's horrendous. And the little red panda bastard, Dustin Hoffman, mm. always going to be like, oh, I loved him like a son. And it would be kinder to have killed him. 
It, like, seriously. It would have been nicer if you just fucking ended his ass instead of imprisoning him for how long? Indefinitely? Is this Guantanamo Bay? It is literally as Caban Bay. <laughs> like, they just, they're, they're super zen and they're like, oh, we like fight for good and kung fu. And like, in, so instead of, like, if, if they decide he is the ultimate evil and he simply can't be allowed to be anywhere... Like, do the humane thing and fucking kill just him. Just fucking end his ass, man. Do just, it. That's it. Just go in there one night. Pull the fucking trigger on this bolt situation. to the back of the head. Do you know what I mean? Like that. Do you know what I mean? It's really... It's it's out of order. Like the last Tsar in the Bolshevik Revolution. Oh, my God. <laughs> like that. Gone. Boom. Buried in the fucking forest. Yeah. Little Nicholas. Shallow grave. Terrible. Tai Lung. <laughs> Found in 1970 <laughs> <laughs> by, archae- yeah, yeah, by some amateur archaeologists. Carbon dating on his ass, and Jesus they were just like, Christ. "Shit, man, it's Tai Lung." Yeah, legend says <laughs> yeah, he was super evil. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was really evil because history is written by the fucking winners. It is written by the people in charge. Yeah, <laughs> and Shifu and Ugwe are in fucking charge. And you know, I I read actually that originally their kind of first pass through of this of this story mm-hmm. didn't play well because Tai Lung was too sympathetic as a bad guy. He is okay. still, if you ask me. And Poe was like really pathetic, like a kind of stereotypical basement dwelling Weibo fanboy who just spunks himself over meeting his his heroes and. It was decided, no, we need to make the bad guy less sympathetic and make him more kind of straight up evil. We need to make Poe more easy to relate to and less fucking pathetic. Yeah. Which I feel like was a mistake. I also think that that first rendition of the script, the ideas behind what what small fragment of information that we have about it would at least have been a little bit more interesting. you got Poe being just odd. And and the Funky Five are all just really put off by his obsessiveness. And they're just like, yeah. dude, you mad weird, son. Uh, you mm- mad weird. Is that a picture of me on your T-shirt? Dude, that's weird. And then Tai Lung being more sympathetic and being treated like utter shit, like he is anyway, if you ask me. Mm-hmm. I think that, that works a little bit better because you've got like that immoral grey area. Who am I kidding well, for exactly. here? Who am I pushing for here? You see, you see, they they do this with with Poe, where the Furious Five are then they're not so much put off by him; they're just a bit like ugh, like this guy, right? And then they come around and they start to like him. It's just um, if if they if they had pushed it, I don't know, they could have gone more for like you know, this guy is a fucking weirdo. Yeah. All right, he's inappropriate. He's too obsessive. Creepy. He's got nothing for himself. He just lives really creepy. Just like stares at you for too long. <laughs> well, like, stuff like this is still a kids movie. Don't yeah, yeah. Get, just but, like, just oh. But I don't know if they just pushed it a bit more, where he is just deeply, deeply flawed, because he is in this. But it's more like they they play it more like well, he's not actually flawed. It's just people don't understand him, or people people around him need to view him differently. Which, fine, okay, because, you know, society can be cruel. But it kind of eradicates any notion that he has flaws that he needs to work on. That's right. That's the problem with this. Like, I remember when um, when Shifu 
discovers that he can do the fucking splits just because he can go and eat a cookie from the top shelf. It doesn't really make any sense. He's never depicted as a really greedy fuck to start with. And then all of a sudden he is because it suits the plot. Mm. And they basically got to find a way of making him have natural ability and then Shifu being able to harness that natural ability. The natural ability just comes out from absolutely nowhere. Yeah. Absolutely fucking nowhere. He can't do the splits, but he can all of a sudden do the splits. Yeah. And it just doesn't really make it. And then Shifu's like, oh, fuck me. You can do the splits. That must mean that I can train you to be a Kung Fu master in a couple of days. Yeah, this, this Kung Fu montage. does not make sense at all. And, and you know, I this is what I mean is that it is a children's film. Children's, they don't question things. Mm-hmm. unlike I do where I sit there with a cynical frown on my face yeah. and being like well that's bollocks because it takes years of practice to become a kung fu master <laughs> I should know I am a myself a kung fu master it's just it's so they show Tigris and Tai Lung training under the guise of of Shifu and from childhood from childhood from it wee little like, adorable it kids it is the most Known thing about Kung Fu. <laughs> if you're going to be a total badass Kung Fu motherfucker, mm. you have got to have been training since you were like being able to stand up and you're on that wooden thing going tap, 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 and all that stuff. That's how it's all got to go. Not this yeah. motherfucker who's just hungry ass dumpling eating bitch. Like, you know, I mean, he's, he hasn't got the gut for it. He hasn't got the stamina for it. Where's he getting the stamina from? He doesn't do any stamina training. No, not really. I mean, you, you, bullshit. In, during the montage, you see him getting better at push-ups. That's good. Yeah. Like, oh, great. You're better at push-ups. The thing is, like, we have this montage of him training under Shifu and becoming good at Kung Fu. But it's, it's not really determined how long this goes on for. During this time, the Furious Five leave the temple and go and confront Tai Lung. It's... It, you don't get a sense for how long it's actually... It seems like it's only a couple of days, Yeah, it right? makes me feel like it's a couple of days. And, like, you do see him progressing and learning and training, right? But if this only takes place over a short amount of time and he becomes good enough to defeat Tai Lung, the whole idea of this film kind of really undermines hard work and dedication. It certainly does. And kind of um, lords just dumb fucking luck and hence why we are in the age of which we are in well kids yeah. screeching for fame on instagram yeah you just want it too quick <laughs> yeah you just want it too quick and too easy you don't want to work for it anymore no that's all because of kung fu fucking panda yeah we've got all these kids coming up now yeah who just want to like find a dragon scroll and be really lessons good lessons from kung fu panda yeah but you see the the lessons that they're trying to impart here they're going for the whole, like you said, the typical DreamWorks thing of if you believe in yourself, you can do anything, no matter how fat you are. Or whatever. <laughs> right? no Which matter, isn't actually strictly true. No matter how much of an endangered species you are, yeah, you yeah. know, you know, which is fine, but it's it's not actually that useful in, in practical terms. Like, you know, if if they had perhaps, as we said, you know, showed him as like deeply, deeply flawed and actually working on his flaws instead of everyone around him being convinced to overlook him. And with Tai Lung, instead of him just being super evil, we do see that he he grew up being told, you're special, you're special, you're special. And then someone else saying, actually, you're not. 
And then he just flies into a rage. And there, there we go. Bish, bash, bosh. He's super evil. He's fucking cuntish. Irredeemably they, evil. They build him up to burn him down, Tai Lung. And yeah. then they fucking imprison him. Yeah. And Shifu does acknowledge this. And he says, this is my failing. I did this to you. But I feel like it's kind of a throwaway thing. They, it, It's a bit too easy. And we just are given, even after that confession, we're just given Tai Lung as the bad guy and he's super evil and there's nothing you can do about it so you've just got to get rid of him yeah whereas if they had left him as a more sympathetic character that is something that i think is a good thing to teach kids that people aren't always just black and white evil yeah and even if you're presented with someone as evil there's often something more to it and perhaps everybody is redeemable yeah but not in kung fu panda no no like tai lung is completely irredeemable uh, mm. For no good reason other from the fact that he was built up to be burned down, as I just said, he was a fucking straw man. He 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 was he was just built up. He was he and he just crashed and cracked and destroyed and broken emotionally and then physically. Like Amnesty International need to get involved in this prison, man. Yeah, it they is do. really fucked up in there. Where are they? Yeah, Nowhere to be seen. Up. They're taking handouts from fucking Uguay, I think. <laughs> Let's keep this between you and me. So just very quickly, uh, before we go and watch Chop Kick Panda, mm-hmm. oh, it's going to be great. Can't wait, can't wait. And, uh, I might wear my gi <laughs> to watch it. Crack your gi out. <laughs> um, I might wear my little sumo thing Oh yeah. that I've got upstairs. <laughs> Throw salt on the floor before we watch yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So uh, just very quickly, this film, uh, Kung Fu Panda 2008, it has a very interesting... Thing, uh, about it where two people actually attempted to file lawsuits against it now it's got nothing to do with the story at all we've talked enough about that i just find this quite interesting a little tidbit of information here mm-hmm. uh, it was initially sued over copyright infringement by a guy called terence dunn who claimed that he sent a treatment to dreamworks a few years previous um and the court order basically found in favor of dreamworks right, right. um which is an in you know, a little interesting thing because, I mean, that opens up all sorts of conversations about money talks and all that stuff. Like, I don't know who was right and who's wrong. Trevor mm-hmm. Dunn completed the lawsuit, went through with the lawsuit, lost. That's the end of the fucking matter. But then I imagine this Dunn guy did not have DreamWorks money. No, exactly. To fight that. his corner for him. But then second, in 2011, a guy called Jamie Corden, or Jame, as in... James G, James G, James Gum, <gasps> exactly. Jamie Gum, right? Hannibal Lecter. There's a fucking. There's, loads there's of a connection here. There's loads of parallels oh, between shit. this and Silence of the Lambs. Unexplained <laughs> mysteries. Um, he claimed that he created the characters whilst at Disney, and while Jeff Katzenberg, uh, was there still. Jeff Katzenberg, obviously being the K in S- DreamWorks SKG. Right. He then, Katzenberg then took them to DreamWorks and, um, and then proceeded to have Kung Fu Panda made. This is what this Jamie Gordon claimed. Jamie right. Gordon is now facing 25 years in prison because it's bullshit. He made up a bullshit lie. He's an illustrator himself and he actually backdated patents forged <gasps> patents. What? And, um, and tried to sue them over it. And uh, basically, you know, he drew Kung Fu Panda, for example. He drew Poe or he drew Mantis or whatever the fuck. 
and he created this character and then he actually backdated patents illegally like via fraud like he's being done for wire fraud right and uh, he, he actually faces up to 25 years in prison over it because it was the day before the lawsuit trial was supposed to happen and it was dropped completely by the courts and that was because he'd been arrested for wire fraud uh, fuck me isn't that crazy that so, is mental so he actually full-blown like and um he was guilty of other ones as well and apparently he was like copying out of the lion king book what like they found like loads of, it's literally like that itchy and scratchy episode of the simpsons oh my god is mr zip it's nothing more than a copy of my father's manic mailman <laughs> <laughs> you know it's like that and it was it's isn't that quite a crazy little thing? Like, uh, so two lawsuits um, surrounding this film, SKG, uh, DreamWorks SKG won them both. Second one was like full blown, like a legal one. Holy shit. There you go, man. Jamie Gordon crazy. or Jamie Gordon, however you want to pronounce it. Wow. Um, motherfucker could be doing porridge. Motherfucker could end up chained to some boulders. Oh, shit. Right? <laughs> in a big suit with the shit, shit sticking in his cheek. <laughs> Being watched by rhinos for 25 years. Now, at least to get a fair trial, unlike Tai Lung. <laughs> yeah. Just saying. Hashtag justice for Tai Lung. Yeah. And we'll also just very quickly point out that this film is the most DreamWorks film ever. It has spawned two sequels, an animated television show, and a holiday special. Now, <laughs> do that with, with that what you will. DreamWorks do love a franchise. They do. That's what ever so slightly bothers me about this film in total now i'll end this section by saying that i don't particularly like this film but it is just not for me mm -hmm. i am not a little child that's what i think uh, i think that is the problem with dreamworks films in, in general like they're mm -hmm. more interested in making films where kids will just sit their asses down and just watch them and so yeah. they'll create a big thing like Kung Fu Panda and then they'll spaff loads of sequels and TV shows and holiday specials out and not give a shit about like, you know, any kind of prestige that's attached to the company. Allah, and I will say the comparison just for comparison's sake, Pixar, for example, who yeah. were genuinely worried about sequels for years. And when they released Toy Story 2 and it turned out to be actually a very good film and also very likable. Uh, and liked worldwide and commercially and critically successful even though i think it's the worst one out of the franchise which is not saying a bad thing to be honest because mm -hmm. toy story is a fantastic franchise like they, they they don't seem to have any kind of concern with making themselves up to be just a doughy money-making cash machine um which is a shame i suppose i don't know how fair this is to say um this might just be our bias coming through but uh, I would maybe say that DreamWorks more concerned with making marketable, sellable films. Yeah. Unfortunately for DreamWorks, I think, they were a bit unlucky with when they released it because that same year as this was released is when Pixar gave us Wally. Yeah. And also it was bookended by Ratatouille in 2007 and Up in 2009. It's just, so that's just brutal DreamWorks, films to go up against. DreamWorks didn't stand a fucking chance. Ratatouille has a very, very, very similar message to this film, but it is executed so much better 
with such better humour, such better characters, such better dialogue, such better setting, everything about Ratatouille is superior to Kung Fu Panda and yeah. it carries the same vein of message. You can be whatever you want if you work hard enough, if you have a love for it. Yeah. But it just does it so much better and so much more succinctly and it has great characters in it. It really does. And it has one of my favourite lines in all animation ever. I don't like food. I love it. And if I do not love it, then I do not swallow. It's a fucking great line. <laughs> but you're, you're right, actually. There's a lot of parallels in the kind of story and the message between Ratatouille and Kung Fu Panda. Yeah. But I do agree. Ratatouille does it in a far more profound and really quite beautiful way. And to, to your point before, this is a kid's film. I still think it's got adult appeal. It's not got any adult humour in it or, or, or adult themes so much. But I, as an adult, I enjoy this film. I really like it. Sure. It's, it's not one of the best animated movies, but I find it surprisingly entertaining. But I do see your point. It's, it is aimed more for kids. So I think Chopkick Panda mm. will come up and I'm going to take a very easy route with, uh, with our Tales from the Bug and Bingo here. I'm going to take a very, very, very simple route. And I'm going to say the animation is going to be absolutely fucking dire in comparison. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good bit. I think we're going to, it's going to be anthropomorphic animal creatures like in Kung Fu Panda, obviously, because it's still a panda. Yeah. I think there's going to be a weird cross-species romance. Yeah. There isn't one in Kung Fu Panda. I think there's going to be one in Chopkick Panda really creepy one yeah like the the, so the like main that'll never work the main panda character is gonna have like a romance with a fucking mouse or something <laughs> or like oh, so weird or like like a squirrel or yeah, okay. a horse okay you know cool so we'll see one we'll tune right back in for chopkick panda go away <laughs> You know what I don't appreciate in an animated film? What? Being made to feel indignant on behalf of an animated panda janitor <laughs> because <laughs> a tiger calls him a 200 pound bamboo eating maid. <laughs> I just felt like it was kind of racist against yeah, the panda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like, <laughs> that was my first instinct. I was like, whoa, slow down. <laughs> Well, that was 2011's Chopkick Panda. Um, Chopkick Murphys. It's, it's really... Um, that, that, that Claire just reeled out a re very good indication of the quality of this movie. It's really strange. <laughs> it's a very odd little film, that was. Um, unfortunately, we do have to actually very quickly point out that we, uh, we're here on Tales from the Bargain made a little bit of a fuck-up when it comes to authenticating what this film is actually ripping off. We didn't do our due diligence. At we, all. We admit that freely. Which is a shock to me, to it's, be perfectly honest. It's not the first time and it certainly won't be the last. <laughs> um, this film came out in 2011, which is the same year that Kung Fu Panda 2 came out. Uh, we mm -hmm. watched Kung Fu Panda 1, as you'll all know. Um, but unfortunately, yeah, Chop Kick Panda is just a, a blatant rip of, of its sequel an attempt to cash in on its sequel but 
I think the point stands. Yeah, and and actually, because I haven't seen Kung Fu Panda 2, but the story of Chop Kick Panda (laughs) is uh, exactly the same as Kung Fu Panda 1. So Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> I mean, it follows the, it follows the same formula. Yes, it does follow the same formula. So let's get into this this movie, this uh, this little YouTube oddity, which you can find on YouTube if you uh, search. You know, if you get right down the rabbit hole into YouTube, you can find all sorts of stuff. And this is uh, definitely in there. We watched it for free on YouTube. Yeah, just the whole thing is is right it's there. It's just right there. No one's fussed about the copyright whatsoever. No, it's- YouTube have gone like, I oh, will leave that one. It's a sweet 40 minutes long. It's really short. Yes, it's very short. Yes. They managed to take the plot of Kung Fu Panda and squish it into 40 minutes, um, which they probably could have squished it into about 15 if they hadn't kept trying to draw out their dialogue. Yes. With these strange roundabout, just going over and over and over the same thing, and like I, I'm not even joking. I literally zoned out for about a minute and a half at yeah, one point. Yeah, really and, funny. And when I zoned back in, they were still having this conversation <laughs> that really just actually went nowhere. <laughs> yeah. So this, uh, this film was directed by um, big time player Daryl Van Sitters or Kitters. I don't know how to pronounce his surname because it's it's C I double T E R S. Van Sitters? Kitters? Kitters? I think that might be Kitters. I thought it was Van Critters to start with, and I was like, that's kind of cool, but yeah. it's not. Yeah. It's not so he was a, he's a, you know, an animation mogul. He worked on Tom and Jerry, and he, he was in the animation department in Fox and the Hound. Oh, shit. And things like that. Uh, it was written by Robert Zapier, who uh, wrote a Puss in Boots ripoff and a Kung Fu Panda ripoff, and has never worked since, apparently, according to IMDb. Oh, dear. Yeah. He went back to the job at the garage. Oh. It stars uh, Danny Katiana, mm-hmm. uh, who voices uh, Zebo, and he also voices the, the bad guy, Slade, <laughs> which is an incredibly yeah. cool name. Yeah. Uh, Phil Lala, who voices Barley and Grandmaster Han. Okay, yeah. Uh, Alison Packard, who voices Rex and Shiva, and then Michael Van Sitters. I'm just going with that. Okay. Uh, Voices Ming. And that is literally the cast of this film. We've got four cast members and eight characters. And that is literally all that's in this film. And one of them doesn't say anything. Yeah, one of the characters doesn't speak. So seven speaking characters, four voice actors, and that's it. Yeah. It's um, it's an interesting watch. Uh, We'll we'll get into how this story runs. I mean, we, we basically start off with... A two hundred pound bamboo eating maid with <laughs> grand. So, you're so panda racist. <laughs> with with grand designs for himself, even though he's um he's a bit of a fucking loser. He is a janitor in a dojo. Yep. Unlike Kung Fu Panda, Poe in Kung Fu Panda, who works for his dad in a noodle shop under some kind of weird slave wage law. Mm-hmm. Um, he works in a dojo. He mops the floors. Seemingly, they constantly need mopping for some reason. He never doing nothing else he's not doing like handiwork around the place get the old drill out no cleaning well, the bogs but also the only people who seem to go to this dojo are master han master barley and zebo himself yeah how dirty can it fucking get yeah i know that they I need mean, a full-time employee to clean the place yeah it's, it's, yeah, it's just, but you're not justifying his wages there at all zebo no <laughs> grandmaster han i'm sorry zebo i have to let you go 
but my child, my precocious child, <laughs> he must eat. Um, Zebo spends his days daydreaming, wishing he was a grandmaster of, and I do quote, Taekwondo. Yeah, we don't got no Kung Fu in this film. No. It is Taekwondo. Even though um, I think you'll find Robert Zapier, Taekwondo is actually a Korean martial art, not a Chinese one. Well, they do not actually specify where this film takes place. It, it opens with a um, a narrator saying, in a small Asian village. <laughs> yeah. So it's just Asian. <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's, let, let's not get more specific than that, someone said when it's they true. were writing this. I would say that pandas are Chinese though, but at the end of the day, there is a, uh, a, a collection of creatures uh, that you either can't even point to what the hell they are, yeah. or one of them speaks with an English accent. Yeah, there's a panther in it who claims to be from England. Yeah. He's like, I wish I hadn't left England. Yeah. I miss the pubs. He's a Gloucestershire panther. I guess, yeah. <laughs> Fucking hell. Roaming around everywhere. They're basically <laughs> vermin. So Zebo, um, desperate to impress his little panda son and his mates. Yeah, his panda son's mates spins at school. tall tales about his heroics as a grandmaster of Taekwondo. He then gets kind of called out on his bullshit by one of the little fucks. Um, they go to the dojo. Mm-hmm. And uh, he has to basically perform for them and, te- and train them and kind of bullshit his way through this training session. Meanwhile, there is the evil brother of the Grandmaster of the Dojo. Yeah. So Grandmaster Han, who is wise and kind, he's got an evil brother called Slade who lives in the fucking mountains, who's carved himself a stone throne. Yeah, I'm not really sure how he did that. No, maybe he just found it, but he lives in the mountains. He was, like, cast out and banished. Yeah. And he's going on about, oh, I need to get the Amulet of Fury. Of course you do. From Master Han, (laughs) at which point I will be, you know, like, the best Taekwondo master in all of Asia. And, um... And like I'll be able to take over the village or yeah. something like that. I, it's this is this knuckle down, mate. Yeah, get your head down, yeah. train every day. Stop trying to take fucking shortcuts with the amulet of fury. Yeah, and like, why do, he says he wants to be king of this village? There's fucking six people that live here. <laughs> Four of them are children. <laughs> why do you want to be king yeah. of this shit? It's shit-o. a fucking poke hole. It's an absolute. Piss hole. It's rubbish. There is nothing here but a school and a dojo. Yeah. And these four fucking mouthy kids. Yeah, and this dojo's filthy all the time, apparently. <laughs> yeah. But for some reason, he super wants to be king of it. So he's got uh, Master Barley, the panther, the British panther. Who is like a, what, a, um, he's a ringer? What is he? He's a plant? Why is he working for him? Yeah, I it don't... makes no sense because no. Master Barley's got it sweet in this dojo. He doesn't have to clean. He doesn't have to cook. He just turns up and he practices his taekwondo. And Grandmaster Han comes up to goes sound, and he's all like, "Thank you very much, Master Han." And then, for some reason, he's sucking up to Slade, and and we just we're completely unsure why Slade's not scary. No, we're given we're given an no reason as to why Barley is doing this. Like 
Does does Slade have something that he's holding over his he's head? He's got nudes. He's got it, nudes. He's got his He's nudes. got barley nudes. <laughs> or like he he's like he's got his niece like captive and he's threatening yeah. to, to kill her if, if Barley doesn't do what he wants. I've already cut off two of her toes, Barley. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> you want more? You get this fucking amulet for me or you'll have her back in pieces. <laughs> like, I think it's just a, a classic cartoon thing of a goon, an underling yeah. who just does it because that's just what they do. That's I their just, role. I'm unsure as to why he's part of the dojo as well as part like why is he playing both sides what's he got to get out of this i do not really understand grandmaster han is clearly cooler than slade yeah he's well sound he's a really cool character and i i but i think barley is only there in the dojo because the amulet of fury is hidden there somewhere so he's just there so that he can try and find it, I guess. So, like, he he's a plant from he's years plant. ago. Yeah, I guess. Mate, deep undercover. Who fucking knows? He's not even British. Oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> now we're getting to it. He's like, where do Panthers come from? Where'd you get them from? Uh, I believe India and Africa. I'm saying I'm pretty much basing that all on the Jungle Book, though. Basically, somewhere way hotter than England. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You do not get them on Ilkley Moor. No. <laughs> Fuck me, it's windy up here. <laughs> Fucking hell, there's no trees to lounge in. The Panthers of the Baskervilles. Yeah, not going to happen. No, it doesn't happen. I did see one once. Um, A panther on, on the moors? On the, on the train tracks down at um, Thames Ditton. Oh, shit. <laughs> but uh, no. Um, so basically, the, the rest of the film kind of pans out how you, how you think. There's an amulet of fury. Barley tries to get the kids to try and find it, makes it a game. They find it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then a beef up ensues. Slade just turns up. Oh, watch up. And then just they have a fight. Grandmaster Han and him have a fight. Yeah, and the, the um, Zebo's son is all like, hey, Dad, remember how badass you are? Remember yeah. those badass stories you told us about how badass you are? Uh, like, you're totally kick-ass. You've got to stop the bad guys. And he's all like, oh, fuck. Fuck Shit. my lies, my Shit. my tangled webs have come back to bite me <laughs> in the ass. So he has to admit to his son, I'm actually just a piece of shit. Um, but then, you know, he finds the 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 inner taekwondo master. Um, he gets the amulet of fury, which is basically like the dragon scroll. From, it's exactly the same as the dragon scroll. He takes the place of the dragon scroll. He gets given the the amulet of fury, and he's all like, "Yes, now I am a taekwondo master," and he defeats the bad guys. And then um, Master Han is all like, ah, but the power was within you all yeah, along. Yeah, always, mate. The Amulet of Fury is bullshit. Yeah, I got it in like a cracker. You got it one in year. Poundland. Yeah, for Christmas. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's just, it's shit. It's just plastic. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about the character of Zebo, how he compares to Poe, because they're quite similar, yep. um, I guess. They're both working dead-end jobs that they hate mm-hmm. but the messages are a little bit different in these movies you found one to be a little bit more palatable than the other yeah and um let's let's quickly talk about that so Zebo spends his day being in my opinion a fucking loser mm-hmm. he's whipping his mop around he's what 40 do Something you know what I mean? like a- he's a single dad Right, he's let he, himself go. He's let himself go big time. To be honest, um, he's a single dad. We find out that his wife had died. 
oh shit so his kid this was this was like this about 10 brutal. minutes in this was like really disturbing actually so his kid is like oh dad like can me and my friends go to the dojo and check it out yeah and he's like no you can't do that can't because do that because it reveal that zebo's actually a fucking mop up yeah and he's and, and so he's like no you can't do that i'm putting my foot down you can't go to the dojo and then the kid just looks really sad and yeah. goes I wish mum was still here. She'd say yes. That we were is like, out of order. Fuck me. We what kind to, of fucking emotional blackmail shit is that? In this little kid's film. And let's be clear, this is a little kid's film. This is a very, very much um, a, a little child's film. Like yeah. we're talking kind of maybe a little bit more advanced than something like Peppa Pig. It looks very similar actually yeah. it's 2d animated we have to get that out as well it's actually all 2d animated looking a little bit like samurai jack yeah for so a bit more than peppa pig but definitely younger than kung fu panda was aimed at i mean yeah. kung fu panda is more like general children age this is very much specifically for younger children yes, it is, yeah. and it's just his mum's dead his mum's dead she's not here it's just he's a single dad trying to look after his son and his son, whenever he doesn't get his way, throws it in his dad's it's fucking, fucking face. The wrong parent died. The wrong yeah. one. And that's how Zebo pretty much spends the rest of his days, escaping from the fact that he's had to bring this kid up by himself. It's really not very pleasant. They could have had, like, mum just fucked off. Uh, you know, she, she went off with the gas man or whatever. No, none of that. She fucking died. She did. Brutal. And, and this is confirmed when um he's, they're having a sleepover at the dojo, him and his little mates. Yeah. And he's talking to a girl that he's got a crush on in his class. Yeah. And she starts saying like, oh, so like, you know, your mum's like, you know, gone. And he's like, yeah. And she says like, oh, you know, do you think, does your dad miss her? Yeah, I, I guess. Oh, do you miss her? Do you miss your mum? Because she's gone. It's fucked. Uh, yeah, I do. She she always said she'd be there for me, even when she wasn't here, that she'd be looking down on me and looking after me. Oh, do you really think she's looking after you? Yeah. That she's looking down on There's you from wherever she is? There's a cynical edge to her questioning there. And he's like, oh, I don't know. It's like, he clearly doesn't fucking want to talk about yeah, this. Yeah. fuck off. What do you want to know, Shiva? That I had to watch my mum? Rot with cancer? From the inside out? Is that what you want to fucking hear? You want to see, you want to hear how she lied in the hospital bed and atrophied? That it liquefied her brain? She didn't even know who I was by the end? Is that what you want to hear, Shiva? Fuck! Fuck you, Shiva. <laughs> God, you're such a bitch. <laughs> you're such a fucking bee. It's, it's <laughs> so those are, the, those are big differences between... Oh, I'll tell you the big difference between Zebo and Poe. That Zebo is like a man and Poe is a kid. Yeah, totally. He's still under his dad's rule and you kind of get this like dumb, dawdling teenager from him. Whereas yeah, like yeah. Zebo's like a grown man. And Raising a child by himself. He comes across more like Peter Griffin from Family Guy than, than Poe from Kung Fu Panda. Yeah, totally. And you pointed out actually, he sounds like him he too. Does. He does. He kind of talks like that a little bit, doesn't he? And it's like, yeah, when, uh, Peter Griffin. <laughs> when, I, when I looked up the voice actors on IMDb... I was half expecting to see that it was Seth MacFarlane because he really does sound like him. Yeah. It's not. Here you go, Tom Selleck. <laughs> yeah, no, no. <laughs> That's you still my favourite Family Guy moment. 
yeah, so he he's more of a kind of kind of Fred Flintstoney. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, you know, that's, that's a very accurate um, observation. Actually, he is quite Fred Flintstoney. He's yeah. just like, oh, Wilbur, like you know that whole duh mm-hmm. thing. But if you take it for face value, he is an absolute fucking loser who spends his time bullshitting kids mm-hmm. to make himself feel better because he's got to forget about the fact that he lost his wife to cancer. I'm going to assume it's cancer. I'm going to assume it was leukemia, actually, a full-blowner, and it was the chemo that killed her. Fucking hell. Yeah, well, I mean, they didn't fill me in, so I've got to make... I've got to fill the void myself. This is what happens when Ryan watches children's movies. (laughs) Things get dark. So, but also... Like we said, there's only like eight people that live in this fucking village. Half of them are grandmaster taekwondo people. Yeah. And the other half are little tiny children. He he has really no peers here. It's a weird place. Yeah, he, he has no one to kind of be a grown-up with, be a, just a normal yeah, grown-up. Yeah, he's got no one to talk to. He goes to talk to Grandmaster Han and he just talks in like bizarre, obscure platitudes. He does. Like uh, Grandmaster Han... I gotta say, he he is Yoda level wise as shit. Yeah, he he is so wise. He's basically a walking inspirational quote. Yeah, some of the shit he comes out with is pretty cool. Actually, when 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 Zebo goes to ask him, "Can my kid and his friends come to the dojo?" He just says, "Why do you ask questions that you already know the answer to?" And I'm like, "Yeah, okay." Riddle me, motherfucker. I mean, I get that. But also, it's still polite to ask. Yeah, yeah, it is, yeah. It's <laughs> like, like, I just brought my kids round because I figured it would be okay. Yeah. Like, that shit's rude. It's just rude. That shit, that shit is rude. It's not your, it's, you know, it's not your dojo. You can't just bring kids round whenever you it's like. Greasy ass little motherfuckers, like, bringing their sticky sweets in. Yeah. Getting sticky fingers all over the place. Stealing amulets of fury. Talking about people's dead mums. I don't want to bring that kind of negative energy into my dojo. <laughs> Fuck off with it. You better not bring that Shiva girl around. She's a bitch. Yeah, she is a bitch. But it's 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 at this point in, in this conversation that they have that I actually really appreciated the message that they were putting across here, right? Right. So Grandmaster Han is talking to, to Zebo, and he's saying, you know, like, totally, the kids can come around. It's all sound. You're a really great guy. We like having you here. Yeah, Zebo, man, you light up the fucking place. Yeah, and Zebo says something to the, the effect of, "I'm just a janitor," right? Yeah. And um, Master Han says to him, "There's no such thing as just a janitor." Yeah. And he says, "There's only one sun." Yeah. But it's not just the sun, and there's lots of flowers, but they're not just flowers. They're not just butterflies. You know, they're not just birds. Everything has equal importance in the universe and in the world. And I was like, that's actually a really sweet it's sentiment. A, it's a nice thing to say to someone who's just lost their wife. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's a, it gets put in a card yeah. with some flowers. Yeah. But like, you know, because the guy's saying, oh, I'm just a janitor, you're a great grandmaster of Taekwondo. Like, oh, you know, I'm kind of like, you know, less than you is what he's implying. And he's just like, no, you're not just a janitor. If yeah. you weren't here, the place wouldn't be so fucking spick and span all the time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I just, I actually thought that's a really cool message to be putting in a kid's film to teach kids. It's a, it's much, much, much better 
than Kung Fu Panda, in my in my opinion, and I believe in your opinion too. Yeah, and I think it's a a, a bit of a, more of a profound message to be teaching kids, and it was done in a much more accessible way for kids to understand as well. Quick short and sweet to be honest i mean he just comes up to him and he's like oh i'm just a janitor and he's like well don't worry about that do you know what i mean don't yeah. feel shit about yourself just because your job your job doesn't define you yeah. you know what i mean like there's not just me i'm it's not just a janitor you're not just you you're you are you and you're an important thing in this in this world in this universe in this in this ecosystem you know don't don't feel bad about who you are whereas the, the other motherfucker in kung fu panda poe He's all like, I'm just a noodle chef. And everyone's like, yeah, that's punk. Yeah. You're like, that sucks. Like, you've got to be a grandmaster or you ain't shit in this world, son. And by the end of the film, he's like, hooray, I became a dragon, a dragon warrior. Now I don't have to ever work in that yeah. shitty noodle shack ever again. I have to sweat it out with my dad, whose business is on the fucking brink of collapse. <laughs> Get that fucking noodle shop away from me. If yeah. I ever see a bowl of noodles again, I'm going to karate chop it across china <laughs> so yeah i i actually appreciated the kind of message that they were they were they bothered to put a message into this dumb they little did. kids film they did i was expecting like nothing of the sort and they actually no. sit kind of hit me with one or two sentences and i was like oh oh that's a that's a nice sentiment to be honest grandmaster han man motherfucker he zen zen as shit wise as shit he he's what we he's he's the hero we all deserve. Completely unlike his brother, who's a total twat. Yeah, and lives in the mountains. <laughs> yeah, can I just point out um, that when we were watching this movie, I could have sworn it was Michael Wincott doing uh, Slade's voice. Oh yeah, <laughs> because it's so husky. Yeah, and it's just funny. He's got that classic. Oh, that's the bad guy because he's got kind of jagged stripes instead of normal like straight stripes, mm. and he's talking like that. Yeah, classic evil voice. Yeah, and he's actually quite amusing. He's funny. Um, this movie has, at the same time, quite good dialogue and just downright awful dialogue. I think the problem is that is they didn't know when to quit with the dialogue. It's yeah. got like it's got some funny little lines in it that I actually, as an adult, as a thirty-three-year-old man, found quite funny. But at the same time. They just get themselves stuck in loops, these these strange infinite loops where they're just bantering each other off. Yeah. I'm just like, oh, cut the fucking cord, man. Like, this has got to stop. And like one of them's like, you know, talking about Star Wars and then they get into yeah. like, and then one of them starts confusing Star Wars with Star Trek and then the other one goes, no, that's Indiana Jones. And then he gets that confused. And it's like, no, it's E.T. It's like this big spiral of nonsense that they're just babbling at each other and you're just like, shut the fuck up, both of you. Like, seriously. Yeah, the dialogue, it's it's got this weird mix of painfully drawn out and quick fire yeah like it's very the actual strange. the length of the conversations are way too long yeah um and they just they go on and on and on and they go round and round in circles until you're like fucking stop and it just literally just cuts to the next scene it's like yeah. right we're, we're, that's how we're stopping but then within those long drawn out conversations the individual lines from each character are very quick fire yeah and delivered as such yeah. as if it's just one liner after one liner. It's kind of strange, but some of the one liners are pretty funny, actually. Like when when uh, Master Barley is is talking to Slade, 
And he's like, when you take over Serenity Falls... When you take over Serenity Falls... Are you gonna rename it to something way more evil? And he's like, <laughs> Slade says, No, I thought I'd keep it the same. I like the irony. And then Barley <laughs> says to him, <laughs> Irony isn't very amusing, especially to the oppressed. <laughs> and I was like, Oh! oh. oh. Throwing the absolute Sounds like Gandhi shade. or something. I bet it is. I bet it's some, uh, some um, pacifist philosopher. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, so some of the, you just get these weird little snippets of, I, w- I wouldn't call them witty, but I would call them just like surprisingly funny for a little kid's movie. We did actually get a good couple of chuckles going on. Yeah, we did, yeah. There were a couple of things in this film that genuinely made me laugh, mainly because of how strange they were. Uh, and we mentioned the animation really briefly before. I just want to... Sure make a point about it that like we said this is actually 2d instead of 3d animation it is yes but the animation is actually not so bad it's kind of nice it it does have the sort of samurai jack sort of look to it you know um i mean it's not great it's not the best 2d animation ever but it's actually like no it's okay yeah you know yeah i would i would agree um i know where this is going Oh, yeah? Yeah, this is me losing my Tales from the Bargain Bingo. Oh, I totally forgot about that. So I thought the animation was going to fully suck. It's perfectly watchable and it's perfectly serviceable. Oh, yeah, totally. There's nothing wrong with it. They've made the good decision of going 2D because if you try and go 3D with no fucking budget, it's going to look like shit. Yeah, and so it's not easily comparable because one's 2D and one's 3D. It is obviously, like, not as good. Yeah. But, yeah, it's not terrible animation. It's totally fine. And talking of Bargain Bingo, I actually won this week. Oh, congratulations. So fuck you. <laughs> fuck you. Um, because there was a cross-species romance. Yes, true. Uh, little Panda, little Zebo's little little boy, um, seems to fancy Shiva for some reason. The fucking cunt bitch who keeps on bringing up his dead mum. Yeah, he's totally into it for some reason. Which and is weird. She's some kind of cat-type creature. I'm not sure what. God knows what she is. Yeah, who knows. But he has a big old crush on her, keeps getting blushed little cheeks when he talks to her and stuff. Yeah. So, I win, you lose, go to bed. Damn it. <laughs> yeah. So, very... I'd like to uh, point out, going away from the actual film itself, because there isn't really much else to talk to about the actual film itself. Now, like it's, we said, it's really short. It's very short. It's like 40 minutes, not even that. So um, we've kind of covered that. And I'd really like to point out a couple of little fun production notes from this movie. Hit me. Uh, if you go onto the IMDb, it's not the most extensive IMDb you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's quite it's quite humorous, though. They've got um, IMDb Q&A is on there. And if, uh, if you want a quick giggle, you can go onto the IMDb Q&A where there are two questions asked by people. Um, one of them is, why? <laughs> and the second one is, more extensively, why has this hellspawn been brought upon us? <laughs> Which I thought was quite, quite humorous. I was just looking at them like, I can't tell you, my friend. I can't tell you. Even though I would disagree that this is actually hellspawn. It's got like a 2.2 IMDb rating. I think that is way harsh. That is really harsh. Even as a grown-up watching this film, I'd give it more than it's that. It's people crying about the fact that they can't watch fucking Jack Black. Instead, they put something else on. It's, yeah. It's daft. The DVD synopsis for this movie, we did, as we said, watched it on YouTube. If you buy the DVD, 
for whatever fucking reason you're doing this for. If you're in little and you just go, ah, oh, sound like those oh, chopkick panda. Uh, I heard about that on Tales on the Bargain Bin. Oh yeah, if you We're are, spreading, <laughs> it's in a bargain bin. Funnily enough, <laughs> if you get it, if you flip the synopsis, it is completely fucking wrong, and it is so strange. The synopsis on the back of the DVD reads that Lou is a large, okay, fat, lovable panda who is a sixth generation owner of a Taekwondo dojo. For a start, he's called Zebo. Second, he don't own shit. No. Doesn't own shit. What Lou doesn't know is what's buried underneath the dojo is the ancient amulet of fury. No, that's hidden behind a picture on the wall. It is. They find it in a recess on the wall. When the villainous tiger warrior, Kudo, terrorises the small village in pursuit of the amulet, it's up to Lou and his ragtag team of martial artists to stop him. Like, the the, the bad guy is called Slade. Yeah. He doesn't terrorise anybody and nobody forms a ragtag team at all. He doesn't form the dirty dozen with a bunch of kids and stop him. No. It's literally just like, give me the amulet. He's like, no. And they have a fight and he loses and he becomes the janitor. <laughs> Do you think that's what the film was originally supposed it to must be? be? And just it no must one up, no one updated the, the PDF. With yeah, they, the... Like, they kind of wrote the treatment like that and then fucked it completely. <laughs> I wonder if it's a uh, if it was like a copyright thing, and some lawyer somewhere said, "No, that that story is too similar yeah, to Kung Fu Panda. It's possible. Um, you've got to make it a bit different." So they changed the ragtag team of martial artists to a bunch of mousy kids. Yeah. Um, they changed it from being buried underneath to being hidden in the in wall. A wall. <laughs> we'll just change where they find it. Yeah. And they decided to make him a janitor instead of owning yeah instead the dojo. of actually owning a dojo yeah so he's not a property owner in this movie he doesn't even no. own his own house he can't afford it he's on a janitor's wage it's rubbish it's a rubbish it's a rubbish wage he's getting exploited by Han to be honest single father do you know yeah, what I mean yeah he's, he's lost tough his out wife. there man it's tough out there lost his wife to leukemia just makes me sad <laughs> <laughs> there's also just bear with me on this but <laughs> Panda bear? I get it. <laughs> um, you've got to just kind of um, listen to what I have to say here because it is quite a thing. I did a little bit of paper chasing, not the most extensive research you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Another shock for Tales in the Bargain Bin um, about who made this film. Right. Because we thought it was an asylum movie. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I started looking into the production company who are called... Gayam. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. Gayam. Gayam. Gayam, I believe. I'm not exactly sure. I might be bastardizing. They're called Gayam Inc. And they are actually a health lifestyle company. Okay. Who who made like things like yoga mats. Um, They made TV shows about pseudoscience. Right. Um, They made... um, like a, like it was strange like health lifestyle things like all that bullshit that Gwyneth Paltrow sells. Right. They made stuff like that, and I was like, "What the fuck?" They put out an animated film. It's so strange. And and obviously you think about these these companies, they get big and they start acquiring assets and all this other shit. Mm-hmm. Right. So um, I I was looking at it. I said, "Very strange." Um, they started to get bigger, and they eventually bought out Good Times. Good Times Video or Entertainment. Good Times Entertainment. Good Times Entertainment are very, very well known in the 90s for knockoffs and muckbusters. 
Right. So if you went into a video store in the 90s and there was a knockoff of like Tinkerbell, for example, particularly animated studios, Mm. no no doubt it was a good times. And Disney actually sued good times. But what good times were doing is just that they were taking things that were public domain. So such as Hansel and Gretel Mm -hmm. when we watched uh, Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters. That was public domain story. The Brothers Grimm have been dead for a hell of a long time. Mm -hmm. And so therefore people can do what the fuck they want. They were making public domain films like Pinocchio, etc. Right, Because Pinocchio is based on an old Italian fable from fucking centuries ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, They actually actually purchased them. Good Times were therefore legally obliged after Walt Disney sued them to put their logo on all of their videos. And it became kind of synonymous with Good Times, their logo being on it. Mm-hmm. was kind of like a thing that people kind of knew them for, if you understand what I mean. Like it was kind of a classic look of a video cover right. with a Good Times logo on it. Yep. Always look for the Good Times logo to know you'll have a good time. <laughs> I'm watching a really cheap knockoff. They were almost like an originator, right? Mm-hmm. Um, somewhere down the line, Atari, the video game company, was created. Right. Right. And that was part of Good Time Entertainment. Okay. Bear with me. <laughs> Bear with me. <laughs> this here. is an absolute right? roller coaster. Yeah. So video games started to become bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, more money was being spent. And then the Atari became completely defunct because that's the way technology works. It, uh, it moves exponentially, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Atari eventually sold off assets. And, um, and then the Good Times company later folded into GT Media, mm-hmm. which released two things, right? It released a movie about a family of dogs called The Retrievers, <laughs> okay. about a family of dogs who don't want to let their puppies get sold by their uh, by their owners. Oh, And they, oh, they also released a countertop grill <laughs> okay. as well. So it's like this weird hardware thing. Um, and, uh, and then this movie... Randomly. So this is GT Media owned by Guyam Incorporated. Now, Guyam folded that a little bit, right? And now have focused on them. And now they distribute the Asylums movies. Oh, shit. Full circle. Full fucking circle. How's that for a paper chase? <laughs> I was so really fascinated. You know, like that meme of that guy with all the numbers going beep, 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 beep. Yeah. That was me. That was You're me. like a forensic accountant. That was me. <laughs> I am pretty much Sherlock Holmes here. Um, I just found it quite interesting the way that companies buy up, sell, fold, distribute yeah, and yeah. move on and stuff. And that's kind of what this podcast is a little bit about as well. Like the way that these titles get just fucked off. Oh, yeah, totally. These kind of companies that just buy up names, buy up titles, sell them again, redistribute, yeah. like do all this kind of stuff. These are the films that we're looking for. So so Guyam Incorporated, they are just a health lifestyle company. <laughs> but somewhere along the line, they picked up the assets for this for the, for this distribution company, and they and now they spend their uh, that arm of it, that arm of Guyam Incorporated does nothing but distribute asylum movies wow uh, the asylum make them they distribute them right 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 there you go there's my link that is really I hope interesting that didn't bore everyone too much but, but i just found it quite 
quite a funny little quirk and, and it seems that knockoffs and mockbusters are all kind of related in that way. Well, maybe we'll come across them once again yeah, in the future. I really, I really hope so. I really hope so. So, that was Chopkick Panda. Mm-hmm. 2011 Dropkick Panda. Um, Chopstick Panda. And, uh, and also 2008's Kung Fu Panda. I think if you enjoy Kung Fu Panda, right. I wouldn't recommend this one to you. I wouldn't recommend this one to you if you're looking for Kung Fu Panda. If you know what I mean, if the, if you get caught out by the classic mockbuster uh, move, which is, oh, my grandson's being asking for Chopstick Panda. <laughs> and then he just brings out, you know, and then you get it for DVD and you're like, this is shit, Grandma, fuck you. And then you throw it in her fucking yeah, face. Yeah. I hope you die. Um, Chip her dentures. <laughs> it's, um, I wouldn't recommend it in that capacity. No, it's, uh, it's, Like we said, it is for younger children. It's not, it doesn't have the same appeal that the other DreamWorks, Pixar, Disney type animated films have. It is for much younger children. The story is very similar. The kind of circumstances are very similar. If your little kids like Kung Fu Panda, they might like this film. I tell you what, it would be a good film. I don't have children myself, but if you have like a five-year-old, they would shut the fuck up. Mm Mm-hmm. Boop. In front of it, I guarantee a kid will just watch this film. Yeah, I think it would be a fun a fun film for little kids if they have liked Kung Fu Panda and they want another panda film or another martial arts film or whatever and they're quite young, then this this would be good for them because it's like it's got a couple of funny bits, the yeah. animation looks nice, you know, it's it's fine. It's not a shit film. It got as many laughs out of me as Kung Fu Fucking Panda did. I mean, no, mm-hmm. you take that how the hell you want. I'm not. I don't find Kung Fu Panda that funny, mm-hmm. um, or amusing, or entertaining. Um, I'm not saying that this film is better or on par because, of course, it had no budget compared to uh, Kung Fu Panda. But it just goes to show that relatively okay voice acting and relatively okay jokes will just get the titter out of me every now and then. Yeah. You know, uh, if you're one of those peculiar adults that finds Kung Fu Panda like the best movie ever um, or similar, then I wouldn't recommend this movie. No, I think, uh, uh, I mean, obviously our listeners are going to be adults like we are. I mean, I hope so. I really hope there's no children listening to Tales from the Bargain Bin because like we talk like sailors We're it's terrible not, people <laughs> if, if there are any children listening right now you stop you stop, you stop it. right you now stop it. you, you stop, stop it because it's we you shouldn't listen to this yeah yeah you uh, uh i don't want to have to try and uh, people emailing in saying <laughs> how am i going to explain to my child what a cunt is now <laughs> um so uh yeah not for adults i mean we we watched it for a purpose yeah and it was perfectly fine. Yeah, it was serviceable. Um, it's not something that I would say, hey, if you're on YouTube, you've got 40 minutes to spare, give it a watch. I'm not going to say that. No, it you is haven't a little got film. that many 40 minutes. You have no. like 40 minutes to spare. You could do a lot more with, <laughs> you know, you could, mm-hmm. you could do yourself a better turn doing something else. But if you've got kids and you find this in the bargain bin, sure. Sure, why not? Why it's not? not actually that terrible. No, it's not terrible. So to conclude, not terrible. (laughs) And that's about as far as we'll go. So thank you for listening to 2008's Kung Fu Panda, 
2011's Chopstick Spandex. And <laughs> <laughs> we have been Tales from the Bargain Bin. I've been Claire. And I've been Ryan. Check you next time. Cheerio. Bye.